trademarks aren't nearly as black and white as domain name availability or getting an LLC. The reality is that over half a million trademark applications get filed every year. Over half of them get denied. And the biggest reason why they get denied is because the trademark office says that it's too similar to another trademark. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join The Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to The Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today I have a guest who's going to answer a question that a lot, a lot, a lot of authors or aspiring authors have and are very anxious to get the answer to. And that is the question of, can you trademark a book title? So our guest today is going to answer that question. And also, we are going to talk about much, much more. But first, let me introduce you to our guest, Joey Vitale. Now, Joey Vitale is an internationally renowned speaker, award-winning attorney, and business growth consultant. He has spoken to tens of thousands of people across the world. Joey has worked with influential brands like Culture Advisors, HoneyBook, Maximum Lawyer, and The Future. As a trusted business growth consultant, Joey helps mission-driven, service-based business owners who want to achieve exponential growth and transform into recognized thought leaders so they can make a bigger impact. His forthcoming book is entitled Business Growth Advantage, How to Run Your Business in One Hour a Week crack the social media code, and make limitless income and impact. So clearly, Joey knows a lot about business and a lot about law and a good deal about publishing too. So have a seat, buckle up, and get ready for a great episode. Enjoy. So Joey, welcome to the Author's Corner. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, Robin and everyone. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you here. And, you know, we have talked a few different times. We've had episodes where we've talked about some of the legal aspects of intellectual property and authorship and licensing and copyright and all this stuff. And, you know, what you're bringing to us today, I think, is so important. And it's also a question that I happen to know is one of those burning questions that I think every author has because it comes up almost every time in one way or another, the question shows up when we are figuring out the book's title. So I'm going to let you tell me what that question is, Joey, because I think you already know what I'm going to say. The question is, how in the heck do you call dibs on the title of your book so that no one else can use it? Yeah. And it's understandably frustrating because I would hope that as an author, attorneys are telling you that you should be copywriting your books. And that's essential. That protects the work of the book itself, but it doesn't protect the packaging of the book. It doesn't protect the title. And as helpful as copyrights may be for an author, copyrights stop at that line of protecting the title of the book. 
And so a next line of potential legal defense there is using something called trademarks, which outside of the biz- of the author world, they can protect the names of businesses. They can protect logos and slogans. And so ideally, we could use these trademark laws to help you protect the title of the book, right? I don't know that it would be ideal, Joey, but maybe we can talk about that later. <laughs> well, it's it's all about, okay... All of our laws are set up to help people and businesses protecting assets that are important. Yes. And so there should be a vehicle, a way to protect the title of your book, not just so that it protects you and the works that you're creating, but also so that it minimizes confusion so that people aren't walking or digitally browsing some bookshelf and getting confused about, oh, man, my friend just dropped a book, but... I'm seeing like 20 books with the exact same title. Which one is theirs? Yeah. What's really frustrating is the ultimate answer, which is that you cannot use trademark laws Mm -hmm. to protect the title of your book unless you find a loophole. Ah, something tells me you found a loophole. So you got to love talking with attorneys, right? Because we're always looking for ways to do something. And the truth is trademark laws are not set up so that you can protect the title of a book. The reason for that is trademark laws are more about protecting brand elements than the titles or names of specific singular works. Mm -hmm. So it's all about source identification. So that when I say the phrase Akuna Matata, you think of Lion King and Disney. Yes. And so the purpose of trademarks is to create that source identification. Mm-hmm. So that when you hear that phrase, you think of the company behind it. Right. When you hear Apple in the context of tech, you think of one particular tech company. That starts to break down when you've created a work and you titled it and you want to protect it. So there are really two ways to find a loophole here. One is to say, I'm going to create not just one book, but a series of books all with the same title. Like Harry Potter, like a Harry Potter series. Exactly. So if if that makes sense for you as an author, there is a way there to create a, turn the title of that book into the title of a series of books. And that is something that you can trademark. Oh, Chicken Soup for the Soul would be another one. Yeah, but that puts a lot of work on you to create more books. Yes. Maybe you don't want to write 20 books. Yes. Or seven. Right. Or, 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 or two. Or two. I guess technically two is a series. Yes. A duology, right? Yeah. So if you're looking for an easier route, I know this won't make sense for every author, potentially out there that's listening, but Robin, through us talking, it's been confirmed for me that a lot of your authors are in the, the nonfiction space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a, a certain theme or story or something that they want to get out there. And so my trademark law firm works with a lot of authors and thought leaders where the title of their book isn't just the title of their book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also the title of the workshops that they lead, the mm-hmm. keynote presentation that they get paid to speak about. Maybe they have a podcast with that same name or online courses or something. The the idea is that there is a larger brand that they've created than just the title of the book. And for so many of our clients, that is the way to call legal dibs on your book title is to Mm -hmm. make it more than just a book title. 
Yeah, I was just looking up this one author. He doesn't have a TM on it, but I was thinking of Mike Michalowicz, right? And how he wrote the book Profit First. And he built this entire, you know, he does a certification for bookkeepers to become profit. Yeah. Can you speak to that at all? Are you familiar at all with his? I've talked with Mike. I'm a yeah. huge fan of everything that he does. Me too. Um, we had him on the author's corner. Oh, uh, nice. A couple, couple years back. Yeah, it was terrific. Yeah. I, I can't speak to whether or not he's using certain symbols to reflect this, but it's yeah. my understanding that he does have his trademarks registered. Yeah, I would imagine. Because that's a perfect example though, right? Because he yes. has quite the organization behind, you know, that book was the yes. beginning of, but he's got a lot yes. behind that that's that's probably doing a lot more for him than and, and for p- other people. Yes. I mean, my bookkeeper is a profit's first certified bookkeeper and the best one I've ever had. So oh, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. Well, I hope that that golden nugget is helpful enough for your audience of if I want to call legal dibs on my book, then either I go on the route of a book series or I consider making this title a larger brand that I lean into. Brilliant. So have you ever had a client come to you where somebody actually was using their book title and that they had to kind of make some corrections or, you know, Yes. Do you have any horror stories to tell us? <laughs> oh. Unfortunately, there are a lot of horror stories that I could share. Right, well, uh, give us an example of, and, and maybe one that, that has a happy ending. We'll see. Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to. The, the biggest one that comes to mind, uh, and this is out of the author space, but mm-hmm. it could very easily have happened, and it probably would have been even more awful. One of our clients and one of my friends has a pretty well-known podcast in her industry. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even think to get the title of her podcast trademarked. Mm. She had been planning for years a family trip to Hawaii. And when her plane touched down in Hawaii, just as a habit, she pulled out her phone, opened her email app, and saw in a subject line, you are here by order to cease and desist. Oh, boy. Yeah. And this trip that she had planned to spend unplugged from business with her family. She was chained to her laptop in the hotel room for seven days, trying to come up with a new name for her podcast. Basically, the cease and assist letter said, we've been using this before you. We're giving you 30 days to change the name of your podcast or else we're going to come after you. And my law firm used to be a lot more than just a trademark firm, but we heard so many horror stories like that. Mm-hmm. where we said, you know what? It's not enough to just have trademarks on our menu when you go to our website. We really want to focus on it because so many business owners aren't even thinking about it and then getting right. blindsided later. Yeah. And there are three main mistakes that we've identified that most business owners make when it comes to trademarks that get them into trouble. Let's hear them. <laughs> the first is, I don't need a trademark because I already have a fill in the blank. Ah. A lot of business owners think that just because they've filed an LLC Mm. and the government has approved that name as a business, that that gives them trademark rights. Oh, boy. It's not true. So (laughs) I like to think about it as you should absolutely create a limited liability company or something that shields Mm -hmm. your personal assets when you start your business. Yes. But when you form that business with the government and the government accepts that LLC name, it's almost like a backstage business for your company a backstage name. Yes. It doesn't give you any audience entitlements to using it in the public. True. And so it's important to do both. And even grabbing a domain name or the social media handles mm-hmm. doesn't yep. mean that you're legally the first in line to start using this. Right. So true. And so we really do need to make sure that we are looking into trademark availability as, as quickly as possible. 
The second mistake that people make is, and Robin, you you seem like this is not your first rodeo with trademarks. No, it's not. <laughs> How could it be? <laughs> but yeah, but I'm really happy for our listeners though. Continue. Of course. The second mistake is I did a search and I'm fine. No one has it. Mm-hmm. So Robin, I said that because you probably know that there is a database that's free that you can go online and check. Yeah. And a lot of people either don't know that it exists or they go on there and they search for the name or the title of their book or whatever that they want to use. And if nothing comes up, they're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, there's the big problem. And that's the issue is that trademarks aren't nearly as black and white as domain name availability or getting an LLC. The reality is that over half a million trademark applications get filed every year. Mm -hmm. Over half of them get denied. And the biggest reason why they get denied is because the trademark office says that it's too similar to another trademark. Right. And when they say that, they think about trademarks much more broadly than the exact match kind of thing that we're used to when we get domain names and social media handles. Mm-hmm. So one of my crazy examples just to show this is, are you familiar with the company Blue Apron, the food subscription yes. box? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so they own their registered trademark for Blue Apron. Another company filed for Green Apron in the food space, and the trademark office denied it and said it was too similar. Now, if you put yourselves in the customer shoes of Blue Apron, doesn't it kind of make sense that if you were a loyal Blue Apron customer and all of a sudden you saw an ad for Green Apron, you might think, is this their like veggie box or their sustainably packaged product? Yeah, totally. Even though it's a different color, yeah. there could be a confusion as to the source. Yeah, absolutely. So if you searched Green Apron on the database, you probably wouldn't see another Green Apron that came up. Mm -hmm. The reason why I love this story is because the company that applied for Blue Apron and didn't get it was for Starbucks. The green Apron. I'm sorry, the company, yeah, the, oh. was, it, was, it was, <laughs> was Starbucks that applied Starbucks. for Green Apron and didn't get it. Really? <laughs> Starbucks. And what's crazy, because they, you know, they're famous for their green they're aprons. Green. Yeah, um, yeah. But the trademark office still said, no, we think this can confuse customers. I love this yeah. example, yeah. both because yeah. it shows how broad the trademark office has to think, mm -hmm. and because it shows you that even the bigger brands have to play by these same rules. Yeah, that's what's so interesting, right? Is that they yes. wouldn't allow that bigger brand to infringe on a much smaller, newer yes. company. And the third and final mistake that we we see people who are kind of, they know enough to be dangerous make mm -hmm. <laughs> is I'll wait to handle this trademark stuff later. Oh, yeah. For people who maybe they know about the searching and that you have to be pretty comprehensive with it, they know that getting an LLC or a domain name isn't giving them total trademark rights, they'll still say, you know what, I know that I should be doing this, but there's other stuff that's more urgent in the business. I'm going to wait to invest in, in trademark protections until later. That is always unfortunate for us to see when there are times when we will help people run a comprehensive search to make sure their trademark is available, and then they'll wait several months to get back to us. Mm -hmm. And in that time, someone else applied for a trademark that was the same or too similar. But doesn't it count when you apply? Like it kind of puts you ahead in the line if it was available? So I love you for asking the question. And this is where we kind of go from trademarks 101 to trademarks 202. Okay. So the way that trademarks work, it's very interesting. And the, I find that the more business owners learn about trademarks, the more they get interested in these types of questions. Technically speaking, it's the first to use a trademark that has 
superior rights, not the first to file. The first use. That's right. First use. So yes. it's the first to use that gives you the best trademark rights, but it will cost you thousands of dollars to try and cancel a trademark that has gone through. So practically speaking, it is much more cost effective to just file as quickly as you can mm -hmm. than waiting and then having to pay significantly more to an attorney to prove that you were actually the first one to use it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if somebody applies for a trademark that's already been in use, but it's not trademarked. Okay. So so let's let's keep this going because this yeah, is yeah. this is where again trademark laws are are very interesting. In a perfect world, I would be adding nuance to this at the very beginning of our chat, but I'd probably lose people. So, right. <laughs> but now I'm making you. Yes. <laughs> so, it's, so you're you're free to do so. <laughs> so, what's again super interesting about trademarks is there are really two main different layers of trademark rights here in the United States. There's common law trademark rights, and then there's registered trademark rights. Ah, yes, the registered. That's what everybody wants. Yes. R. And I like to think of it as you've got like your house rights versus your fence rights. So okay. the common law trademark rights, the way they work is just by being in business, mm -hmm. just by selling a book with a title on it, you automatically have trademark rights. You don't have to file for anything. You don't have to pay for anything. I like to think about it as when you're building this house, the fact that you've built the house means that you get some rights around it. Okay. The, the hard thing about these common law trademark rights is that they're limited to your geographic region. Mm. So you can only exclude others from using it regionally. So bigger than a city, smaller than a state. And you don't have any actual evidence around the fact that you were the first to use. Mm. Mm -hmm. When you apply for a trademark registration at the federal level, you get a fence around your house. And this is where when you get when you get the registration, it allows you to beef up your rights nationally. And so you get exclusive rights, not just to your brand, not to your trademark, but to anything that's confusingly similar. And you finally have strong evidence. It's like you now have a birth certificate for your trademark right. <laughs> that you can you point to when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. That's great. A birth certificate for your trademark is exactly, it kind of looks like one too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so when you when you file for your trademark application, you're not actually getting a trademark through that process. You're claiming a trademark through the process. Right, right. right. Yes, big difference there. Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book with a real book publishing deal behind it that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach. In case you're new to the Author's Corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I help world-class experts write world-changing books that get published. With over 30 years of experience in the publishing industry, I have helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishers. Many have gone on to become bestsellers from Amazon all the way up to the New York Times. And others have increased their business income 600 times or more as a result of their book and partnering with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, go schedule a free consultation call with one of my trusted team members today. We have a limited number of slots available, and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you, 
go to www.worldchangingbooks.com forward slash application to apply for one of our exclusive spots. Once again, that link is www.worldchangingbooks.com forward slash application. Now, back to the show. How long does it typically take for the USPTO to get back to somebody? Before COVID, it was about six months to a year, if we were lucky. Now it's like a year to two years. Really? Yes. Holy crap. I know. I had no idea. I know. It's frustrating for both us and our clients. But I want to give one more advanced tip because I think this will be really helpful for authors specifically. There are two ways to file for a trademark application. One is an in-use application, and that's the default one. That's what most people use is I've launched my brand. I've got- I'm already using it. I'm already using it. And when I apply for a trademark, I state how long I've been using it. I give them evidence of the fact that I have been using it and it moves forward. There is another way that I think will be really appreciated by your author community, which is called an intent to use application. Okay. This is where you file saying, I haven't used it yet but I plan on it. And six to nine to 12 months later, when the trademark office finally reviews your application, they'll say, it looks good. Now you have to show us that that you you have been using using it. And so this can be really great if authors know the title of their book, but it hasn't launched yet. Okay. To minimize that risk of launching and then having potential rebrand issues. Gotcha. Let's file that intent to use application as quickly as possible and Uh ideally get that paperwork close to finalized before we publish the book. But the author still owns the rights to all the content, including the title. So so I'm not going to ask that question about whether the publisher has a claim on the trademark because they wouldn't. No. Yeah, because of that. Um, And And even if they somehow did own the title of the book, Again, you would be applying in this broader sense of this is my brand and a part of that is this book. Right, right. And the publisher will never own the title to your book, though, by the way. I just don't want anyone to freak out (laughs) listening to this. It's always good to have a freak out and then relieve the tension. And then be like, (laughs) ah. We're just going to have them all over the place emotionally in this episode. Uh, Right. So I like what you're saying about the intent to use, because often, if not always, when, for example, if we're helping someone write a book, they usually write the book first and then build the course out of the book. Yes. Rarely, but it has happened where they come to us where they have a course and then they write a book based on the course. But more often, they're writing the book first and then building a course after. So I could really see the value in doing that intent to use filing while you're writing the book before launch, before it's hot and everybody wants some. Yes. And somebody says, oh, I could build a course off their book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, to get that rolling, to get that going. So true before you launch would be smart. Yeah. And it can also be, you know, courses are great, even as just like having your book title also be like a slogan or a main motto of your brand that you reference on your about page. Mm. Or if you are interested in adding a speaking or workshop component to getting the word out about the book, having that be the title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if a book title is also the title of your workshops and it's also the title of a song? That you didn't write. So what's interesting about trademarks, again, there's so many things that's interesting about it, is 
more than one company that can own the same trademark without there being any issues if there's not a likelihood of confusion. Ah, okay. So there's Delta Airlines and Delta Faucets. Oh, there you go. And that's another thing is that sometimes people search the database, they see another trademark that exists, and they then think, oh, I guess I can't use it, when really they might be selling surgical equipment. Right. Interesting. I love, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very important point. It's not just the name, it's also the application yes. of the name or the use yes. of the name. Have you heard about the Taco Tuesday trademark? No, but I love tacos, so say more. <laughs> so I think this is one of the most interesting things ever. So I'm trying to think of the order to tell this story. You know LeBron James, the basketball player? Yes. He got famous a few years ago for always talking about it being Taco Tuesday at his house. And whatever LLC he owns filed for Taco Tuesday as a trademark. And the trademark office refused, saying in part that Taco Tuesday has become so generic. No one has that Akuna Matata to Disney thought process when they hear Taco Tuesday, so no one should really own it. Ah, right. And... There was an interview I found with LeBron James's lawyer where he was celebrating the rejection. He said, this is exactly what we wanted to happen because now LeBron can talk about it being Taco Tuesday without there being any legal potential without battle against him. Without anybody coming after him. That's an interesting approach. And what, what actually had been happening as I started to peel the layers back is that there is a, this small taco joint that for years has owned the trademark Taco Tuesday. Huh. Uh-oh. Last year, LeBron James collaborated with Taco Bell to do all of this branding around free Taco Tuesday. And it was all of this HR. They were trying to be they were trying to be really careful about not just being a big brand going after a small brand. Right. But they were saying this taco company that isn't a big franchise, we're not trying to hit the little guys, but they can't own Taco Tuesday. Oh, wow. And it happened. They had to cancel their registration uh, and forfeit it. And wow. so it it really just speaks to the interesting layers of, of trademark laws in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's kind of nasty. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to it. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I think the takeaway from that story for your community is mm -hmm. be careful about naming your books something that would be that generic, something mm -hmm. that you would have a really hard time Defending. saying when people see this, they think about me specifically. Right. So, so don't go with something that could be so commonly used of a phrase that you can't grow that argument of source identification. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I find to be really effective for authors and a good way to avoid what you're talking about is you use a phrase that's in the collective unconscious, but you, you change it and make it weird. You know, like you, you make, yes. you know, you make it a twist on it and that can like I'm thinking of, for example, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad was really playing off of the series in the 70s, Rich Man, Poor Man. Oh, really? I would be shocked if it wasn't, right? Because, and, it, and it was sure because his target audience would have been just old enough to watch that when it was on TV. They would have been children about the age that he was writing about that yeah. he was when he met his rich dad. And so it's a really smart title because it's a play on a title of something else that's known that we carry around in our, our subconscious that makes it memorable for your reader, yes. but doesn't infringe directly on anything. Yes. 
And if I can give a recommendation there, for all I know, you could have interviewed this person already, Robin. Um, Alexandra Watkins is my... Yes. Oh, yes, of course. I have interviewed her. We are... Talk about titling. I know. She is, is one of my really good friends, one of our, our strongest oh, referral wonderful. partners. Yeah. And she is She's always great. who we recommend. If anyone mm-hmm. needs help coming up with a title that is yeah. sticky, memorable, that you fall in love with, she names all kinds of things in businesses from book titles to the Wendy's Baconator. So she is just amazing at what she does. Yeah, absolutely. I'm now I am I, I've read her book and I don't know why I'm having trouble. It's I, I'm gonna call it up right now. It's uh hello, made to stick or something. No. Hello, what my is name is awesome. Hello, my name is awesome. Thank you. I've read it. That's it's yes. embarrassing. I couldn't remember the title. I read it. So um wow, this has been so much fun. Before I let you go, I'm going to throw at you my signature final question, which is Joey, what have I not asked you today that you would love to answer? Oh, man. So I want to try and stay on topic here because under the realm of of legal stuff, there is a lot of other stuff beyond trademarks that business owners should think about. And so if the question is, Joey, beyond trademarks, what else can you share that people should be thinking about legally? Great. We have put together a legal bundle that includes five or six must-have contract templates that every Mm. business owner should have, even just like a privacy policy in terms of use language to put on your website. That's all available for free. Oh, fabulous. So if you go to IndieLaw.com slash bundle, we'll give you all of those contract templates and more, and then share with you some more tips about trademarks and however we can help you take next steps on that. We'd be honored to. That is terrific. And you know what? I'm going to go and get my bundle because I have all my contracts and stuff, but you never know. I might see Mm. something there that would be useful for us as well, because you never can have too good of a contract, right? That's true. Well, and and these these are (laughs) things that I think are- Too good of a notification, yeah. These things are- certain contracts that I think are so must have Mm -hmm. that I just want to make sure that they're very accessible to business owners. Beautiful. And what we've tried to do to the best of our ability is make them as easy as possible to customize. So there's not a whole lot that you need to change. Mm, Nice. And also we, we try and strip away the legalese as much as we can. So if you see the word heretofore anywhere, send me an email and I'll send you $5. (laughs) All right, everybody, get out your uh, your word search and your <laughs> finder. Open up your finders. <laughs> get ready, Joey. <laughs> now, this I want to uh, just th- thank you so much. Not only has this been super informative, but it's also been a lot of fun having you here with us today on the Author's Corner. Well, thank you, Robin. Can I can I say one more thing? Please. If you're still tuning in and you haven't yet left Robin a review, please take like three minutes to make that happen. It's super easy to do. And I know it means the world to to podcast hosts like Robin. Oh, thank you so much, Joey. We really appreciate that. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.